step inside into the world of Lady Teal's Curios. Hello, Curious Minds. Tonight, I speak with Nicole Ackermans, aka Nikki. Counting sheep might not help you get your Z's, but perhaps Nikki's accounts of her studies on bighorn sheep will. Bighorn sheep have faced a dramatic history of extinction and recovery. They have been drawn in ancient petroglyphs in Utah to the southwest and have continued to be a source of inspiration in tourism and science in the most recent years. Nikki who is a sheep biologist and taxidermy enthusiast, gives us an inside look on all things sheep-related and beyond in tonight's episode of Lady Teal's Curios. Remember, stay curious. Okay, uh, my name is Nikki Ackermans, and I am a biologist but more specifically a vertebrate anatomist and I specialize in sheep. In sheep? That is so intriguing. What got you into that? I know whenever I say that people are always like what? That's not real. (laughs) It's not a real job. (laughs) But it was a total mistake. I actually you know when when I started doing um, research um, I was actually researching teeth and I needed a model organism. So it just happened that my PhD was on sheep because they're cheap and you can have them at a farm. And, you know, we were studying like stuff for wild animals like giraffes and stuff, but we're not going to have like a herd of 50 giraffes. So sheep. Um, and actually, when I started this job or when I was interviewing for it, I was like, I'm not going to become one of these people who's like obsessed with their like research model. Like, I'm not going to be the crazy sheep lady. And now for Christmas, I get sheep Christmas ornaments. So. Yeah, <laughs> I just really gave into it. <laughs> jumped right in, huh? So how long have you been doing this for? Um, so the sheep stuff specifically, now it's been like four years. Um, but biology, I've been obsessed with biology forever. I mean, I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was a little kid. And then we had chickens and one of them got stomped on by a horse because our horses, our horses are like really territorial. So the chicken got into its like fence and it stomped on it and broke his leg. So my mom's like, oh, this is a perfect occasion to like test out what it's like to be a veterinarian. Like she's not a veterinarian. She just, she was an EMT. So she was like, we're going to stint the chicken. I fainted. So I was like, yeah, this is not, this is not going to be my job. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you seem a little young. Are you one of the youngest biologists in your field? No, I mean, I just got my PhD, so I'm 20, I'm turning 27 in a few weeks. Oh, happy birthday. But I did do my PhD in Europe, so it's only three years instead of like whatever eight or how much it is in the States. That makes sense. Yeah. So when you're going to work, can you give us a rundown of what your typical day is like? Right. So it depends because I just started a new job right before uh, COVID and everything. So now like, you know, it's like everyone, I work at home, but um when I was doing my PhD uh, is where like all the sheep stuff started. And so the deal was I would be the farmer uh, for a year and a half while we had our herd of 50, 56 sheep. Um, so every day I would like put on my overalls and drive my little truck to the farm. Uh, this was in Switzerland. Uh, so Aww. I had a really nice view on my drive to work and I would shovel poop for a while because there was a lot with 56 sheep. And then I, I fed them specific diets. That was uh, the experiment we were doing. So I had to make sure they're getting the right kind of food every day. Um, and then on the afternoon, I do like research and um, writing and stuff. And now I have a different project, which was like, it, I actually changed fields, but I kept the thread of sheep for somehow that worked. I don't know how, but... <laughs> Um, now I research bighorn sheep um, and I'm trying to find out why they don't get concussions from hitting their heads because they have these huge horns right and when they ram each other when they're like fighting for mates um, if you see the videos on like National Geographic they hit their heads so hard it blows my mind like I knew they did it and then I looked at videos I was like how are they alive like I know they have horns and everything but it's not enough so I'm studying that and to do that um, I called a bunch of like wildlife places uh, to send me their dead sheep <laughs> in the mail. 
that's awesome <laughs> because that's how i have to research them like i need their heads so they were already dead like one of them broke its leg and it died so or they they had to euthanize it so i basically got a fedex cooler with a sheep head in it like they just called me and they're like it's here <laughs> and then we all have to run and and get it and because i'm looking at the brain i needed to stay fresh because after about 36 hours it turns to soup not good so um I don't want it to be soup. <laughs> so, yeah, and then we have to try and extract it. Um, and I didn't realize the skull was going to be as thick as it was. And we had a bandsaw. And it still took us like six hours to, oh my to get to the brain. And, and um, a chisel. Yeah, it was a crazy day when we had... So I've got like a few of those now. Um, and I'm still waiting on some. But because of COVID, uh, the lab's shut down right now. So I have to keep busy with other stuff. But... So there's days like that where it's really crazy. And then there's days where I'm just writing or mm -hmm. looking at research. Or I do a lot of um, 3D scans. Like we put our sheep in the CT scanner, like a human CT scanner. Because there's no special sheep CT scanner. Um, and then I can work on that like at a distance. So I don't always have to be in the lab and stuff. This is fascinating. Although it does sound like you have to have a really strong stomach to do some of this. It's really weird because like... With humans, I'm I don't like if I cut myself, I faint. <laughs> but I can disembowel a sheep, like no problem. No problem. <laughs> and I, I think it's because I see it from like the scientific side, like oh, this is anatomy and blah, and it's fine. But yeah, it's it's weird. I think the people who have to have the strongest stomach are people like my boss who work with marine mammals because they stink. They smell so bad. The worst smell I've smelled in my life was a. Um, one of my professors went on honeymoon to the beach and brought back a rotting seal carcass and was dissecting it in class and I couldn't I couldn't go in. It was it was so so bad. <laughs> I can only imagine. He had his nose like right inside of it. Oh my gosh, that's pretty gross. You've smelled some weird things and you've gotten sheep parts in the mail. I'm just curious do they put that all on ice mm -hmm. yeah so i figured out a system so that it doesn't cost too much money because fedex will do like a special like 500 dollars magical box but um i basically just get whoever's sending me to put it on ice and stick it in a cooler and uh overnight it and then that's it <laughs> wow that's simple huh i didn't even know they could send sheep in the mail i need to get on that i have i have permits um Although some subspecies of bighorn sheep are protected, so you need federal permits, but I don't work with those, so I can avoid that. <clears throat> okay. But uh, I do, ha yeah, you have, I mean, you can't, you know, some people, some states have hunting permits, right. some states are okay. Sometimes they get them from zoos. Zoos are a little bit less collab uh, collaborative because they don't really want the word out that their animals die. Mm -hmm. It sounds weird, but like, you know, there was this big drama. I don't know if you know, in the zoo world, there was a big drama with uh, Marius the giraffe in, Gen in Denmark. I did not know. So what happened was they had this herd of giraffe and they had too many males. So they were fighting a lot and they couldn't find a zoo to transfer it to where they wanted it. Um, and the only zoos that accepted were kind of like subpar and not really great. So they decided to euthanize this giraffe and they decided, well, we're going to do a public dissection to educate kids and stuff. So... Danish kids came there with their schools. They watched the public dissection. And when they were done, they fed the leftover parts to the lions, which I think is really good enrichment. But it just so happened that one American journalist was there and uh, lost his shit. <laughs> Basically, he was like, this is terrible. It's murder. And and it became this huge international oh scandal. Oh, my gosh. I think it was like 2014 or something. Yeah, that guy came to give a talk at my university. So it was really <laughs> interesting. Leave it to an American to... Uh, react like this i mean american like PETA got involved and people were like this is scandalous you made children watch this right. and like the kids you know kids love this stuff kids love gore and like poop and yeah all for sure <laughs> that's just crazy so i'm sure you're familiar with people counting sheep to go to sleep do you ever dream about sheep i i've definitely had some sheep dreams like when i was working on the farm every day i'd always have nightmares that the sheep escaped which they they have um you know it, it's like my worst nightmare to get a call in the middle of the night and it's like the farmer like you have to come and put the sheep back because it sucks like it's smelly and all the clothes that i wore to, oh, that year i just had to burn because it just smelled like sheep forever 
yeah, uh, one of the times when the sheep escaped, um, like they they're actually not as stupid as people think. They just have this really strong herd mentality. Like they really need to be with their friends or they can't use their brains. Like they get really stressed out. So one time one or two sheep got separated because they got out and they were like running all over the place. And and the way to get back to the herd was down this small corridor and I was standing in the corridor and they just ran straight towards me and body slammed <laughs> me like a wrestler. And they're oh huge goodness. sheep too. They were like 100 kilos. I don't know how many pounds that is, but that was... And like three three of them in a row, they just straight jumped at me. I also have <laughs> seen one just run straight into a wall because it was so panicked. Wow. But... um. Other than that, they're quite smart. Like, they would recognize me when I came to feed them. And so that's not so bad. <laughs> Do you have any pet sheep that you've kept? I wish. I live in the apartment in New York right now, uh, okay. so I don't. But when I live in the country, like, ideally, one day, I will have, like, three sheep, I think. <laughs> they're really cute. Like, I do really love them. When you were doing your studies, did you get to study the Dolly clones at all? No, but I wish. Dolly's really cool. And... She's actually stuffed in a museum in, uh, I think, Scotland. And I really, if I'm ever in the UK, like, I'm definitely going to visit yeah. her, like, taxidermy statue because it's like a shrine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Actually, it's a shame. Do you know where the name comes from? No. So I'm actually kind of pissed about this. But so the scientists who cloned her were, uh, were dudes. I don't remember their names. And uh, they named her after Dolly Parton because she had really big udders. <laughs> so, yeah. Of course. I'm sad. I'm sad I that that's almost a thing. said Dolly Parton because <laughs> that is literally the only Dolly name that I know. Dolly Parton's awesome, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She really is. <laughs> she is one of my role models. Yeah. <laughs> Well, going back to earlier when you were talking about your studies of bighorn sheep and you're exploring why they don't get concussions, have you gotten anywhere with your studies? Are you able to give us I any wish. details? <laughs> I can give you a little bit. So the problem is I started for like a month before the lab got shut down. Oh, so right. I'm also just like antsy to get an answer. We're close to something right now. Basically, the first step is to look if they actually have any form of concussion. No one, I don't know why. No one looked at this before. If someone's listening and is going <laughs> to steal my idea, I'll fight you. But I'm too far ahead, so I don't think they can catch up to me. But <laughs> this is a problem inside. Yes, it really is. <laughs> I don't want to get scooped, but no, it's fine. Um, yeah, so what we did is we had some, uh, the brains of that sheep that someone sent me, um a few domestic sheep brains also someone had a muskox so basically the people i work for now they ha um they work in a neuroscience department and so we have like a large kind of uh, library of lots of species of brains a lot of whales and stuff mm -hmm. so i took a, a kind of an array of species that i thought might you know hit heads like muskox and do that very strongly as well domestic sheep do it also the females do it almost more than the males and they don't have horns which is why i'm hmm. like it can't be just the horns yeah um so i cut their brains out they were dead right the brains were just floating and like you imagine like a brain in a jar that's that's what we got and i made like little slices like microscope slices and then i stained them for markers of brain injury and when i get back because i'm not at the lab now i'll be able to start seeing if we actually see any like because if there is brain injury my whole theory goes out the window it's just like they get brain injury it's a huge discovery for science but mm -hmm. they just <laughs> get brain injury <laughs> i'm thinking they don't or if they do it's like really extreme cases or maybe the really old ones or something um and so if they don't then we're gonna look both at the sort of brain mechanisms and also the body mechanisms of why they don't if it's the skull if it's the um if it's the like composition of the brain if it's like the shape of the brain inside the skull because you know we have like a big empty skull and our brains are like jello and they slosh around and sheep have it a bit more vacuum packed than us so it might be something like that so there's a lot of questions and every time i answer one there's <laughs> about 50 more so <laughs> it'll keep me going for a while <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess that's generally how science goes, isn't it? You answer one question and you get a ton more. <laughs> Definitely. But I, I mean, I love it. That's one of my favorite parts about science is you can just let your curiosity go and it will take you down so many different paths. It's the best. You're always learning something. It's uh, I love it because of that. And also, like, I get to dissect stuff, which is for me so fun. I don't know. That sounds crazy, but... I enjoy it so much because it's like this weird thing that not a lot of people are allowed to do. And and it's so fascinating, the differences already between individuals and between species. Um, you know, when do you get to see a brain? Like, Yeah, seriously. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I got to use a bone saw the other day. It was awesome. <laughs> and if you said that in any other context, people would definitely be worried about you. <laughs> Sometimes people overhear me and they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still like squeaked out though because I might have to do some human anatomy teaching and I'm scared because like I don't know why humans are creepier yeah probably because it's like a mirror of yourself you know your anatomy is exactly their anatomy so I could see that yeah, being a like, little disconcerting like if it was just a foot like dismembered it would be cool but if the head's on there like it's like a human I don't know why I can't Maybe I'll just do it a lot and I'll be okay eventually. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever thought about getting into taxidermy? I'm obsessed with taxidermy. I actually, there was a point, you know how like during your studies, there's a point where everyone's like, go on a farm and raise sheep and never come back. So I didn't have that. <laughs> I had like, I'm going to go be a taxidermist. And um, I think it's it's really cool, especially nowadays, like no one shoot stuff to taxidermize i mean there's like deer and hunter and stuff but i actually did a huge twitter thread on mm -hmm. all the amazing stuff about taxidermy um it's it's much more of an art form nowadays and the people who do it are mostly like young cool people there's a lot more women getting into it there's this really good book called i think it's afterlife anatomy oh no that's a, one of the girls who wrote it and it's called maybe the art of taxidermy okay. Um, about more of the like rogue taxidermy which is stuff that's like like unicorns oh and yeah cats pulling carriages and like the monkey from the wizard of oz and things like that yeah i've seen like jackalopes before those are really cool jackalopes i actually signed up to do a jackalope class and it got postponed for the pandemic but i'm like really excited oh man yeah. i would love to do one of those my friends think i'm crazy <laughs> it's been my dream forever when i it's the first thing i signed up for when i moved to new york i was like this has got to exist here i gotta do it <laughs> yeah i know new york is a really good place for that i know they have the oddities and curiosities expo each year probably not this year but yeah this year was in LA. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that is definitely on my bucket list of things to try out too. So oh, yeah. No, I think taxidermy is great. And like anytime I go on vacation, my first thing is to go to the Natural History Museum. Second thing is the botanical gardens. <laughs> yeah. And I was I was sorry. I, I was recently in the uh New York uh what is it called? The N A M N H the American Museum of Natural History. Yeah. And um, Carl Akeley's taxidermy there. It's crazy because that stuff is so old and it's amazing. Like, it's so realistic. It's the best, like, dioramas I've ever seen. It's, it's... Yeah, and I've been to a lot of museums. <laughs> and my favorite one, maybe this one, it's kind of in competition with the Vienna Natural History Museum just because it's super gaudy um, and, like, gold and marble everywhere because it's very, like, imperial. Yeah. But, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're fine. No, no, you're. That's <laughs> awesome. I love hearing. That I'm kind a of huge stuff. Carl Akeley fan. He's he's a badass. I have an amazing story about him. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I can tell you. So I think you might have to fact check me, but I think he was hired by the AMNH as a collector. He was a biologist and like a, a naturalist, I guess, back in the Victorian mm -hmm. times. And so he did like go to Africa and shoot a bunch of animals, like. At the time, that was a normal thing. But he was also a really good taxidermist. And so one time he went on a collecting expedition. He always went with his wife, by the way, who was like super awesome as well. But everyone forgets to talk about her. Um, and he, I don't remember if this was in Africa or in the jungle somewhere. But he was tracking a leopard. And he shot this leopard like four times and missed it and was out of bullets. And that's when like he said, I think he quoted that the leopard was counting his shots and then decided to attack him once he ran out. So the leopard jumps at him and 
he thought, well, I still have to kill it, so I'm obviously just going to stick my arm down its throat and choke it from the inside out. Oh, my God. <laughs> and if you Google him, there's a really awesome picture of him standing like this with his beard, his arm in a sling because it broke, and then the dead leopard. I see. Him. Oh, and my like, gosh. I pulled it up. The best I, the best picture ever. He is a badass. Oh, my gosh. He's a badass. And he's, like, the father of, like, American naturalism and, and taxidermy, so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I realized he did so much taxidermy. I knew he did a lot of dioramas, but wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's most famous for his elephants in the, like, main hall of um, the AMNH, I think. Very cool. It's been so long since I've been to any natural history museum. Like, I think the last time I went to one was when I was 14 or 15. So it is definitely time for me to go again. I would assume you go to like all the oddity and curio places you can find. <laughs> yes, definitely. I always try to go and I lived in Atlanta most of my life. So there's not a whole lot of science museums there are a ton of history museums but we have like some small science museums and the aquarium i really want to go to atlanta only just to see the whale sharks there that's like a huge deal there's only like four aquariums that have whale sharks the other one's in dubai and then there's like i don't know where the other two are the aquarium is really cool it is definitely very popular. I would suggest if you go, go on a weekday and avoid the weekend. Well, they rent out like rooms there at night and you can sleep there. I want to do that. Yeah, they do like wine tastings and all I'm that down. kind of stuff too. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I kind of took us on a sidebar of taxidermy and museums. <laughs> Sorry about that. Taxidermy is awesome. I could talk about taxidermy forever. <laughs> so going back to your sheep studies, is there like an application that you're thinking of or you have in mind? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if not, they would never pay me, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the first one um, with the like sheep farm and the teeth, the idea, um, and if people are really interested, I wrote my entire thesis on this is like 300 pages so they can read about it. The Whoa. idea is that... Um, <laughs> Is, was to investigate the evolution of teeth and also uh, reconstruct the diet of fossil teeth. And so the theory is that for herbivores, um, if they eat more like hard grass or soft uh, browse, which is like bushes and stuff, it will show on their teeth differently. So they won't have like sharp and pointy teeth. I don't know if you've ever seen sheep teeth. They look like chupacabra. Like it's very pointy. I have scars all over my hands from getting bitten by sheep. I did not know that. <laughs> like they didn't bite me on purpose. Yeah. It was when we were CTing them. I had to take molds of their teeth and they chew in their sleep, we discovered. So my hands got like disjointed. <laughs> they have very sharp teeth. And so these... Um, you know, these teeth can wear down if they, you know, if they eat dirt by accident because they're eating close to the ground or if they eat so grass has really um, a lot of silica mm -hmm. inside. So it wears down the teeth. There's also this is a big drama in the tooth world. It's a debate, but I think it's a mix of both. Some people say it's only grass. Some people say it's only dirt. Not gonna call them out. <laughs> <laughs> but so the idea, <laughs> the idea of the experiment was to mimic this on a long term because we didn't know how long it took for the grass or the dirt to create this signal on the teeth i'm gonna pause oh you're back okay um so yeah for, so for as long as we could afford basically we did a year and a half with 50 sheep and i oh, fed wow. them pellets like hay pellets with extra sand inside yeah um and different like different groups had different amounts um so each group had like a color and then i'd give them that food and also I had to name all the sheep. So I had a bunch of fun. <laughs> That's cool. I think that was really cruel for my boss to make me name them. And then we killed them. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, is that normal for you to name them? He was weird. <laughs> I guess they wanted me to like, you know, be their friends for and like make sure I would take care of them or not mistreat them. But mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. And then when we had to uh, euthanize them, it was sort of like a... We were like 10 of us and it was all in two days we did all of them and we had to take out the organs for research and stuff. So it was a bit yeah, bit nuts. My my overalls was just poop and blood for three days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, because we sampled the intestines as well and so it gets messy. Um, right, that was the application for that. And for what I'm doing now, obviously it's to 
if they really don't get concussions and brain injury, um, find out why and if there's something we can extract from that for humans, like a helmet or therapy or something like that. So ideally, like if it's the shape of the brain inside the skull, maybe we can adapt a helmet for that. And, you know, the big bucks come from football. So I usually drop that on a grant and that's what helps get funding for this. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's actually possible for it to happen. I don't know how long that will take to figure it out because yeah. there's a lot of questions to answer still. So Yeah, it is very interesting you mentioned that because I recently read an article about how football is on a downward decline because of all the concussions. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I have a really good recommendation for a movie. The movie Concussion uh, has Will Smith in it, and it's about Dr. Bennett Omalu, who discovered uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is CTE, which is the uh, disease you get from multiple concussions, and you you get neurodegenerous, and so your brain just turns to mush. Um, and that's why a lot of football players killed themselves a while back, like 2000s, um, because their brain was like messed up and it was this big scandal. The NFL tried to cover it up. Amazing movie. And that guy is a legend because he was like an immigrant from Nigeria. He came to America. No one wanted to hire him. And he discovered this thing and he got shunned and like got death threats. It was crazy. It's crazy. Wow. Movie. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. My boss like met him and I was like, he's my idol. <laughs> <sighs> so I got to ask, do you have any weird things that happen to you when you're working with sheep? I mean, I learned a lot, like being a farmer for sheep was really cool because like, I didn't know you have to trim their hooves a few, like every two weeks with a big nail clipper. Um, yeah, I got bit a lot. That was the, the like weirdest thing because I didn't think it was going to hurt that bad. I'm really like deep cuts on my hands. Um, Do you have scars from that? Yeah, because I was the only one in the group with the small enough hands to put in their <laughs> mouth because it only opens so much. And we had to take these molds. And, and so after like five or six sheep, we figured out how to do it right. But the first few was, uh, was a bit crazy. And it, it, it was kind of interesting because I was working for this zoo animal clinic. But every animal is different in terms of like... Um, anesthesia and stuff so we had to come mm -hmm. up with a basically new anesthesia protocol because they kept waking up or they would sleep for too long so I learned kind of about the vet side of things which is um pretty cool and I don't really know too much about that um I'm really bad at coming up with stories on the spot so I have to think oh it's totally fine keep it in the back of yeah. your mind and if sure, you sure, think sure. of anything you can hit me with more questions though do you think you'll continue working with sheep throughout your career I mean, yeah, I'm like, I love biology in general. So if I have another project that's like bones and some other animal, I'd be totally cool with it. But sheep are kind of like yeah. my like, <laughs> favorites now. And bighorn sheep are so cool. I've actually never seen them in person yet. I was supposed to go uh, on a trip to the field in this summer, but that's not going to happen. So whenever that is allowed, I want to go like look at them. Just I'm sure they look insane. I was. They're yeah. popular out west, I think, right? Mm, yeah. In the Rockies. Yeah, Colorado, Wyoming, and then up north there's the doll sheep, which is just like white, rock, white, white sheep. And um, I was actually surprised when I got that one in the mail because um, they sawed off the horn so it would fit in the box. And I I know they're called bighorn sheep, but their horns are massive. It takes up like half of their head. It, it, they're like this big. It's insane. I was just staring at it like, yeah. what? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, we drove through the Rockies and saw a few bighorn sheep, and I was amazed at the size of their horns. Like, I did not realize how, how large they How do they, they not, were. like, fall over? That's what I was thinking. Do they weigh a lot? Yeah, they're super heavy. Um, I don't, I couldn't tell you in pounds, but um, that's why they cut them off, because I would have paid, like, 200 more bucks for the shipping. <laughs> It's weird to have to think about stuff like that. Yeah, it is strange to think about. I know the bighorns had to be reintroduced into some areas. Yeah, I think the Sierra Nevada bighorn, uh, they're endangered, so it's like a subspecies. They have smaller horns, actually. Oh, okay. Just curious, have you ever heard about the link between multiple sclerosis in people and sheep? No, I don't know. Did they use them as a model? I, uh... <laughs> So apparently there's like a toxin in sheep that is related to the multiple sclerosis in humans. 
And uh, <laughs> there's some sort of link. I'm not sure what. I was just reading about it when I was researching random facts about sheep. <laughs> okay. No, sorry. I don't know. I, I wonder if they either, um, like, the sheep get multiple sclerosis on their own or if they, uh, or if it's like a, oh, I have a good sheep story now that I think about this. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Let's hear it. The thing is, I, you're going to have to fact check me on it because I don't remember the exact name of a certain parasite. Okay. But there's this parasite that its life cycle is that... That was cute. <laughs> um, it's like this little... It might be a nematode. You'll have to check. It lives... It's like a little tiny bug. It lives near ponds and stuff. And it. I think the eggs go in the drinking water and the mm -hmm. sheep drink it up. And so it, it aims for sheep or sort of um, um, farm animals. And the sheep eat it, and then they poop it on the ground, and then the poop gets picked up by ants. And then it goes inside the ants' brains, and it manipulates the ants to go on top of a blade of grass so that sheep will eat the ants and get reinfected. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's wild. Is that not like the craziest parasite ever? Yeah. That blew my mind when I learned that in class. I was like, what is what is life? Like, how is this even real? It sounds like a robot. I'm always terrified of like a parasite getting in. <laughs> that would be... It's possible. That would be like a, a really weird one to have. <laughs> I know there's an entomologist who infected himself with bot fly just like for the... For the, like, for the fun of it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Because entomologists, man. They're yeah, like, yeah cool. that's true. I don't know if I would do something that drastic. <laughs> I don't know what the sheep equivalent of that is. Yeah. But... <laughs> Have you ever opened up a sheep before and been like, uh, this isn't supposed to be here? I mean, I have a lot of gross stories about that. I don't know how graphic you want me to get, but I've got some gross stories. Yeah, let's hear them. I'll go from least to most gross. And you just stop me when it gets too gross. <laughs> so the least gross, which is actually pretty cool, and also I have like a history story behind it, is when we were doing the dissections at the end and checking what was in the intestines for our food study. Of course, the sheep had eaten like ropes and plastic bags and stuff. Um, this is usually worse than goats because goats don't discriminate. They just eat everything, but they would eat like stuff like that. So that was weird. But um, sheep and cows and things, ruminants, they also get things called bezoars. I think I'm pronouncing that right, like in Harry Potter. So it's like a kind of a stone that forms because, you know, they have these four stomachs and they like regurgitate some foods. But if some some foreign object gets in the stomach and starts to irritate the sides of the stomach, the it will... They, the body will send in like cells to form form it into a ball that's smooth so it doesn't irritate so much um and if and that will then be too big to get regurgitated so it gets stuck in one of the the fourth the last chamber i think the amazum my boss might get mad at me if i didn't get that right but whatever <laughs> <laughs> um and so yeah they'll just stay there for their whole life and um you know it'll just come out when they're dead and so the historical thing behind bezoars, I don't know, you must know about this because you're an oddities person, but um, back in the like medieval times where people like really were into magic, they would find these in the mountains and be like this magic ball. Usually it's just made of like hair and keratin and gotcha. like, okay. okay, but keep that in mind, keratin, right? So they would take these and bring them back to the king and, and bezoars are supposed to be able to detect poison like they protect you from poison so they would either make them into a cup if they were big enough because they can get like soccer ball size sometimes in cows yeah. or they would put it at the bottom of a cup so that whenever the drink a drink was poured on it if it fizzed up then that would be poison but there's actually chemistry behind this because keratin is super basic so if you pour an acid onto it, like most poisons are made of acid then it reacts and it foams ah. so it's actually kind of scientific that is so cool. I'll make so sure we found that... one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Did you save it? Oh, well, I didn't because it was like the beginning of a bezoar and it was a trico bezoar. So it was made of hair and it was all squishy and disgusting. <laughs> but one of the vet students saved. I was like, I'm good. I'm not going to keep that one. I do have like a little cabinet of curiosities in my bedroom with yeah. like a bunch of skulls and rocks and bugs and teeth. Lots of teeth. Do you have any items on your um, bucket list that you would like to get in the Ooh. future? That's a really good question. 
Oh, I have to think about that. <laughs> There's so um, many. I really want a ram. I don't have a ram skull. Oh. I have a sheep jaw and like some sheep teeth, but I'd love a, or a Jacob's ram. They have these like two devil horns on top and then like, they got four horns. Those are yeah. crazy. Yeah, I'd, I'd love a taxidermy, any taxidermy like sheep head. I have, um, <laughs> I have a goat's nose in a jar. Um, that was a gift from a teacher because I was, like we did it in a dissection and I asked if I could keep it and I got that's to keep awesome it. It really cool. <laughs> yeah and it's great because it's cut right behind the uh, nasal con- concave mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce that but it's like these twirly parts and it's actually really pretty so I'm the only one who thinks that my parents are just like this is gross <laughs> <laughs> they're like what is she collecting <laughs> yeah yeah they just have to deal with it (laughs) i like all of that kind of stuff too i find the brain incredibly fascinating and i know a lot of people think that's just really gross to look at so the texture is so weird yeah it's like it's like soft tofu a little bit more gushy than that mix between jello and soft tofu speaking of food do you eat lamb? I'm actually a vegetarian. <laughs> and I was before this whole ordeal. It wasn't like related to this, but I'm so glad I am. Like, I was like, this just anchors. Like, I don't I don't need to ever smell sheep ever again. Yeah. Um, but that was only the least gross thing that we found. I can keep going. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't too bad, actually. So. Okay. Medium gross is parasites. So sometimes when a parasite will go into the system the body finds it and like makes a capsule around it that's like a little like a blister but like free floating in the body Mm -hmm. so it's just like this little water pouch with a worm inside um that was weird because the worm was still alive and it was like this little like like a tide pod it was basically that oh my goodness (laughs) yeah so that was kind of gross but really cool at the same time yeah what'd you do with the worm just threw it (laughs) i mean she couldn't it wasn't like a specifically cool specimen okay the vet was just like "Eh, just toss it yeah put it down the drain i feel like (laughs) um weird teeth stuff is not too gross but once we had dissected all the animals and skeletonized the skulls um at the university they have like a vat where they do that Mm -hmm. i found like almost every animal had hay and sticks between the tooth and the gum for like their whole life it's just a thing they live with it's not like our fault or anything but Mm -hmm. i just it just seems really painful and so a lot of them we got like the shittiest sheep because we you know they were gonna die in a year and a half so we didn't want to get the best ones so a lot of them already missing teeth they had like abscesses or bone cancer related to that which i just find really cool i love pathological bones because like you can see this like life history um, I think abscesses are some of the grossest yeah. things ever. Vets love that shit because they just love popping stuff. And I learned that, that they're like, oh, it's green. I'm just like, oh, okay. So um, the worst we had was, unfortunately, this one sheep. Since sheep are prey animals, they don't show when they're hurt generally, unless they have like five, you know, four broken legs, but they, they'll try to hide it. So this one sheep was like fine. But we noticed it had a little tiny abscess on its side when we um, had it in the CT. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, we'll, we'll drain it so that it'll be okay and like disinfect it. So we drained it for like 20 minutes and it was, okay, this is where it gets really gross, okay? It's like custard, but green. Oh, wow. It was coming out yeah. a lot, like a bucket full. Like, I'm not joking. And we're like, where is this all coming from, this little hole? So we, we had to cut a little bit and... Basically, what happened, we ended up euthanizing this animal because its entire chest cavity was an abscess. Oh, we my don't know. gosh. And it was acting completely normal, super healthy, like didn't know. It basically the next day, if we hadn't noticed, it would have just fallen over and died because it must have gotten an infection and it spread into the entire chest cavity. And it was completely like completely full of pus and infected. That was the gross. <laughs> we, we had at some point a uh, um, garden hose and we were cleaning out this and we're just like this is it's not going to survive like we have to euthanize it which was really unfortunate but it's better you know than than leaving it with that injury okay (laughs) so that is pretty wild yeah that i don't know i'm just thinking like slime basically it's uh, (laughs) it's really i mean like the same as a human would get but more gross yeah 
I thought about one more sheep fun fact. Okay. Um, did you know that they don't have upper incisors? No, I didn't. So sheep and cows and deer, all of these ruminants, they just have like a flesh pad on the top and incisors on the bottom that are kind of wiggly, um, which is really weird when you like don't think about it, but then you look at it and uh, yeah, they just have gums. It's, it's weird. The horses have upper incisors, but sheep don't. There is something that I just thought of totally unrelated to that, but um, mm-hmm. it is something that I wanted to ask you because I've seen it in movies and TV shows. And um, so basically, like, you see a herd of sheep run off of a cliff. Is that something that they actually will do? I I think that would definitely happen. Like I said, they, you know, if if half of the herd runs off the cliff, they, they just assume that it's going to be okay. And they'll just follow. They really have such a strong herd instinct and it protects them in most cases. But, you know, but then I think they're sheep in England. You know, they live on the cliffs of Dover or whatever. I think they probably know if a wolf is chasing them and they get really panicked, that might happen, I imagine. Mm -hmm. But like they won't just like randomly be like, hey, (laughs) and like not lemmings. I actually think lemmings don't do that either, but I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I, I was just thinking, I was like, what would cause them to run off the cliff in the first place? But yeah. if they were being chased, that super would panicked, totally make sense. And that reminds me, if um if your listeners are really into like B movies and terrible horror movies, yeah. Black Sheep is my okay. uh, one of my new favorite movies. I watched it to prepare for my thesis defense because I needed to chill out. And it's a New Zealand B movie about zombie sheep. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's like the best. I love it. So yeah. <laughs> uh, top picks from Nikki on sheep movies. Yes. The whole like three years of my thesis, people were like, you need to watch this. You need to watch it. And then like the day before my defense, I watched and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's so great. cool. <laughs> well, um, what do you have planned for the future as far as working with sheep and your goals and all of that? That's a difficult question to ask a scientist right now. Depending on national funding for science, uh, (laughs) um, I would like to, you know, finish this project. I have like a fellowship for the next three years to work on this brain project. So I'm really excited to see what we find and see if it's only in sheep, if it's in other um, bovids that fight with their heads, if there's anything there at all, if we can get anything from it. Like I have all these questions to answer. And then after that, I, I don't know if I was specifically focused on sheep, but, you know, I'm sure I will have a project that develops from this. That's always what happens. But I just want to continue working on taking animals that have really extreme adaptations. So like the sheep with their horns or woodpeckers who also hit their heads doesn't have to be that. Or like whales who dive really deep and stuff like that and take one certain sort of anatomical attribute and see if we can extrapolate it to help humans. Okay. Because um, I just think, you know, I want to do something helpful, but I still just want to dissect stuff all the time. <laughs> so that's how I found to <laughs> make it together. Um, yeah, so I want to continue along that. You know, maybe I would like to start my own research group. If someone wants to hire me in three years, then uh, that's that's cool. <laughs> Very nice. Well, you also do a podcast on the side, right? Right. So that's actually nothing to do with science. And I did it that way on purpose because I am 100% science all the time. I'm like obsessed with science in my hobbies as well. I'm an avid birder too. And I wanted my podcast hobby part to be like something different so I could learn also about other parts of life. Mm-hmm. So um, I have this really awesome grandpa who's I've grown up with him telling me sailor stories uh, my entire life. Like he's the most saltiest sailor of all sailors. And I just decided like I want to record this stuff. And I know everyone's grandma and grandpa has amazing stories. They're all great storytellers. And, you know, like someone's grandpa probably punched a Nazi in the 40s. Like, I want to record that, you know. And they're like this little grandma who makes pies in there. She's like, oh, yeah, I like snipered six dudes. Like this stuff is it exists. So, yeah, I just had that idea for a while. And so I started this podcast. It's called Stories Your Granny Never Told. In the second episode, I interview my grandpa about his sailor stories. He met Clint Eastwood and ate apple pie with him. So that's so cool. Is also my grandpa's the best. Um, yeah, and I, I'm I do a monthly episodes because it um, like it's just a hobby for now. So yeah, it takes a lot of time to edit and stuff like that, as you know. But um, I'm really I like love doing it because I get to talk to all these old awesome old people. I interviewed the world oldest drag queen as well. 
um that's my third episode very so, nice cool stuff <laughs> <laughs> oh uh this is totally like a sidebar but speaking of the world's oldest i think the world's oldest sperm is a sheep sperm i was reading that really <laughs> yeah. that's awesome i have to google that <laughs> I just like that just was in some of the research that I was doing, just kind of looking. I up. wonder if it's because like it's the first one that they research and they froze it or something. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, they froze it for like over fifty years or something like that. That's so cool. But I was like, huh, it is. that's an interesting fact that I didn't know. I bet that's a thing. Like when you visit their lab, you're like, hey, you want to see something cool? And then they like bring you in the back room and this like freezer with these old sperm. I would do that. That's cool. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, going back to your podcast, uh, where can we check that out? Because I know that is something that my listeners would totally love. Yeah. Well, great. So it's really easy. It's at storiesyourgrannynevertold.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's on iTunes. Like you just put that in and you'll find it everywhere. Have a cool website. And um, yeah, easy to find. And if people are actually interested in my research for some reason, um, it's just my name, Nicole Ackerman's. Um, just Google it. I have a website. Um, and if not, there's like my Google Scholar with all my publications. If people really want to dig into that stuff, I think it's interesting, but publications are sometimes hard to get through. But um, there is like a little resume on my website. So and very pictures. cool. <laughs> not gory pictures, just like some teeth pictures. <laughs> oh, and I'm on Twitter if people want to talk to me at Ackerman's Nicole. Sweet. I'll have to look up that Twitter feed that you were talking about earlier with all of your taxidermy stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely in my in that Twitter account. I'm pretty sure because I have like three, so I'm trying to remember which one it was on. It was definitely on that one because I wanted to like combine science and. Um, I also recently did a long thread about why pigeons are amazing, so you can. <laughs> you know, I was actually <laughs> wondering today: Are pigeons amazing? <laughs> They're great, and I'm not going to get into it because I could talk forever, um, but yeah, there's a thread on it, so you just go read that. <laughs> Sweet. Well, the last thing that I always like to ask people, and this is kind of a tough one, so it can be for people either going into the field of science or people currently in the field of science, but what pieces of advice do you have? Mm, first, I would sternly talk to the people in science right now about being more inclusive um, because science is sometimes a bit of an ivory tower, especially for the old guard. Um, and it can be sort of a boys club and it can be sexist and things like that. I think we're making progress, but like a lot of, a lot of people, you know, don't get let in because they're queer or, or people of color or women, for example, occupy barely any of the higher positions in science. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's too late for those people, but, we're going to replace them eventually. So hopefully the people who replace them think about things like this and think about science. Um, also in terms of, you know, there's a lot of experiments just with mice that only on male mice because female animals have hormones and it messes up science. But then it turns out that the stuff they test on mice never gets tested on women. And then hormones mess up the thing just like it was intended. So my call out would be, you know, be more diverse and inclusive to people. And also, like, please go study women's science because it needs more people to study it. If I wasn't doing sheep, I would do that because it's really important. And people don't care about it enough. And 50% of people are women. So, like, what the hell? <laughs> okay, that was the angry rant. And then the, the like, happy rant <laughs> is if people want to become scientists. Um, you know, I when I started out, I didn't have really great grades, like, I was I was in the French school system so like I had like medium grades I had like 13 out of 20 when I graduated and I thought like I can never do research I'm I wrote in my diary I don't want to do research it's too hard and people like stay inside at desks all the time and then each time I got further I just really tried to follow something I really really wanted to do because like I said I've been obsessed with biology forever and I just couldn't think of not doing stuff with biology um and so eventually I found my path. I mean, I never thought I was going to study sheep. I didn't have a fixed thing in mind. I just kept going that way. I think for PhD people, it's really important to pick your advisor really well as someone who's going to like, um, you know, mentor you, but also like almost not be your friend, but be a good 
role model and things like this. I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, it's really corny, but like really follow your dreams and your passion. I think it pays off in the end. Science is hard. And if you're not really, really passionate about it, you're going to not like it and do something else anyways. So do that. And if people are not passionate about it and they're still in science, that's also okay too. But if you have this strong passion and you have the c- capacity... And I know some people don't because science is expensive in America. You should do it because we need more different people in science who have different ideas. And, you know, who would have thought about sheep if not me? Yeah. So I'm sure someone else has a great idea about, like, like sea cucumbers or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think that's wonderful advice. And, yeah. and, I- and you know, when you start out, you're not going to know your topic, mm-hmm. like, there's so much weird stuff that's going on. Like, don't be afraid to go and, like, do plants. Like, I thought I hated plants until I took a botany class and it was awesome. And our teacher taught us about, like, psilocybin mushrooms. <laughs> Which aren't plants, but you get it. <laughs> yeah, right. Speaking of mushrooms, I actually went to a mushroom workshop one day out of the cool. blue. Because they found a mushroom that was in amber and it could completely change the way science dates or rather science carbon dates things because that particular mushroom was not supposed to be in that time period of amber i need to look at that that's awesome and so like i never thought in a million years that i had any interest in mushrooms at all and then all of a sudden i was at this workshop and i was like this is so cool and they had all these different mushrooms fossilized ones cut ones and it was this whole world that i had never delved into before and it was exactly like you were saying you just you never know yeah, that's my favorite thing about biology. There's like some nerd who is completely obsessed with mushrooms and then they talk to you when they're like, I'm changing my PhD to mushrooms. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and there's so many cool things. Like, I have friends. I, I When I did a talk at a school, I made like a screen with all of my friends who do different weird research just to show them like, look, there's like so many weird things. I have a friend who researches mummy poop. I He's going to hate that I said that, but among other things, mummy poop. <laughs> Hey Enrique, <laughs> I have a friend who researches dinosaur cancer because that's a thing. Um, yeah, like people can do anything, and and whenever occasion they have, if they like science, <laughs> yeah. like go out and like watch birds, like pick mushrooms, go to a talk. Like talks are free; no one's gonna check your ID at university. Just go to a talk. Also, email your idols about working for them because I did that, and that's how I got my current job. So do that. Yeah. <laughs> i love it i think it's amazing (laughs) just do it i mean it's it's exhausting Mm -hmm. but like i literally said like hey i will bring money can i work for you she's like yeah cool what do you want to work on i was like sheep this is like cool so yeah (laughs) some people can be really great in science that's so cool yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh I love that. Well, oh, thanks for coming on, Nikki. Do you have any last parting words that you'd like to shout out to the universe? Oh my god, don't put that pressure on me. <laughs> um, no, just sheep are awesome, you know? And I, I had a good time. This was fun. Yeah, this was fun.